1: Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right, so, hi, hello. (laughs) That was very energetic. I know. I'm excited. Uh, We're always excited. Can we talk a minute about how much feedback we got regarding our last podcast episode on losing weight? So much. Oh, my gosh. Yes. My phone was blowing up. My email was blowing up. Our little messages from our podcast listeners was blowing up. The masses have spoken. That's right. Yeah, I actually got a, a message from a gal who was saying that she had just left her three-year follow-up appointment with our oncologist, and she goes, I was... Literally thinking about my weight and how much I've gained since treatment. And she's like, and then I go to my email and what is there except for your podcast <laughs> on losing weight after breast cancer. So I know. So anyway, all that to say that we got so much feedback on it that we're doing a second episode. Correct. Yep. We are. Yeah. And we're so, on net, like a true expert. Yes. Yes, we're going to be talking today to a certified health coach about weight loss after breast cancer. Her name is Dr. Delia Garcia. She is a board certified radiation oncologist, she practiced medicine for 30 years. Before adding health coaching to her practice in 2006, and she did that because excess weight is a significant risk factor for breast cancer, and she felt passionate about helping women avoid breast cancer and then helping them, after they get it, live a healthier life. So she actually, Dr. Garcia, retired from medicine to exclusively coach in 2011. Yes. Oh, I love I love that she realizes the power of coaching. Right. Yeah, well, yeah as a fellow, yeah, yeah, I bet you I bet you like that. Yeah. So we're gonna talk to Dee about her journey from doctor to full time health coach. And then we're gonna talk about why women gain so much weight after
0: a breast cancer diagnosis.
1: And we'll end with how Dr. Garcia helps women achieve a healthy weight, where you can find her if you want a personal coach just to help you meet your health goals. Yeah. But until we talk with her, let's go to our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. All right. Well, welcome, Dr. Garcia. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to share what I know with uh, your audience. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to talk to you
1: about you have such good experience. guess is what Sarah and I were saying offline before we started talking to you is just your career path and how you got to the point where you're coaching patients about their health is just so interesting. So for people who are listening, you're a radiation oncologist, right? What what made you want to get into medicine?
2: Well, that is a wonderful question. And, you know, we all have stuff from our past, right, that molds who we are going into our our future or molds who we are, you know, in the present time. So I grew up in a small town in Illinois, 1,800 people. My mother had an eighth grade education. She worked as a janitor at our local school, which is half a block away. So my parents, their goals for, you know, my, myself and, and my four siblings were pretty low. You graduate from high school and you get a job and, and move on. But I had a high school teacher named Harry Hunt, H-U-N-T. Harry was my biology, physics and chemistry teacher in high school. And he took me under his wing, he and his wife, and started to ask me, you know, what are you gonna do after you finish high school? And I really had no clue. (laughs) And so he said, you know, you could do well in medicine
1: okay so you knew you wanted to get into medicine and you spent some time what was it from 1984 to 1992 you were an associate professor at WashU school of medicine here in st louis right before you ventured into private practice
2: i was i did my training here at washington university it was you know one of the top programs in the country for oncology and i was the only woman in the department so it was a little scary at first but yes, I thrived there. I had the most wonderful professors, the most wonderful training. And I stayed on the faculty for seven years after I finished.
1: When did you decide to change? Cause you incorporated health coaching into your practice. What were you seeing with patients that made you want to do that?
2: Over time, I started to see younger and younger women coming in with a diagnosis of breast cancer. So, the usual, you know, woman who's diagnosed with breast cancer is in her 50s or older. But I started to see women in their 40s, 30s, 20s. I even had a 17 year old one day who came in with her mom and dad to discuss her breast cancer treatment options. And there is something not normal about a 17 year old with breast cancer. There's, it's not normal to see people in their 20s. However, when, when I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is really no different than that pediatrician who is now seeing little children, you know, six and eight and 10 year old children with type two diabetes in their practices. You know, Mm -hmm. we used to call it adult onset diabetes because it used to occur in, you know, people that were grandparents. And now we're seeing diabetes in these very young children. And why are we seeing that? Because of children are not eating healthily, they are overweight and obese. And so they're developing adult diseases. So the same thing with some women with breast cancer, not all of them, of course. So 15 years ago, I started incorporating a lifestyle program into my practice. And then five years after that, I left mainstream medicine to do health coaching full time. And that's, that's what I do today. I work with, you know, men, women, families, you know, companies to create that vibrant health and and add years to people's lives.
1: Can I ask you a question? This is for a lot. We get a lot of patients asking us to explain the difference between a regular MD, a functional medicine doctor and a health coach it seems like there's a lot of confusion around those different disciplines and how they're each different. Can you kind of illuminate us a little bit on your thoughts with that?
2: Yeah. A functional medicine physician, most of those are MDs, you know, medical doctors or a doctor of osteopathic medicine, which would be a DO. And then for health coaching, really anyone can be a coach. You know, you can have a registered dietitian, You can have a physician, you can have a nurse, a nurse practitioner, and you can have that stay-at-home mom that knows a lot about, or maybe doesn't even know that much about health and wellness, but has the tools and has the time and the talent to guide a friend or a neighbor or a relative to better health and well-being. So a health coach, you don't have to be an MD.
1: Okay. Interesting. But you specifically chose health coaching for what, like, why did you, why did that draw you in?
2: Well, I chose health coaching because again, I had this whole office full of patients Mm -hmm. that were very young and I was, I just became so attached to these young women, you know, they would come in with their babies and their toddlers. And I knew that I had to help them with more than surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. And, you know, a really good friend of mine lost her mom when she was 11. And I just have witnessed how she has struggled. She had a seven-year-old sister and a nine-year-old sister. And the oldest one in the family was 16. And, you know, my obsession was I need to get these women healthy so that they can do well and raise their own children, because it's not just breast cancer, right? It's hypertension, it's diabetes, it's heart disease, it's stroke, it's Alzheimer's. All of these diseases, the same thing that lowers the risk of breast cancer, that lowers the risk of a recurrence, that improves the survival of someone that already has a diagnosis of breast cancer, those are the same things. That will decrease the risk of heart disease and diabetes and Alzheimer's and all of those things. It's, it's not any different.
1: So it, it sounds to me like you were you were kind of saying, you know, you wanted to kind of gravitate away from the sick care model, right, where you're just treating the illness and you're trying to get preventative care going so that these women would have a higher quality of life. Is that fair?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, that yes, that's fair. But the impotence for me to leave mainstream medicine and venture out as, you know, a reinvented health coach was that one of the major hospital systems bought our medical practice and overnight it became a corporate practice. So we mm. went from a holistic place where we offered yoga and nutritional counseling and you know, mental health things and, and all all kinds of different modalities besides the chemo radiation and surgery. We went from that to, you know, the bottom line was yeah, how much income can we produce? So which I think I, I think, it think it changes to, the culture.
1: It changes the culture, oh, but also I mean it's so out of tune mm-hmm. with what patients want. And mm-hmm. I think like as you know, breast cancer survivors, we're really just disillusioned. With the fact that medical care is that sick care model and it's mm-hmm. not encompassing the whole person. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to talk to somebody with your medical background who recognize that also right yeah. seize that recognize that and then aim to to try to rectify that but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't take much to un, undo all the work you put in does it <laughs> i want to dive into why women gain so much weight during and after breast cancer but before we do that you guys want to do boobs in the news yes all right boobs in the news is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories boobs in the news is brought to you by pink perfect pink hyphen Pink Perfect provides silicone prosthetic nipples for women who have undergone mastectomy and breast reconstruction with nipple removal. Visit pink-perfect.com and use promo code Faith Through Fire to receive twenty-five dollars off your purchase.
2: Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news.
1: Okay, are you? Lay, lay it on me. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. This comes from Wired. Okay. Today's how to kill germs without being a complete idiot.
1: Mm,
0: what do you okay. think? What do you think is gonna happen?
1: Uh how to kill germ- germs without being a quake. Uh I don't know. Is this like one of those morons that like drinks the hand sanitizer oh, or no, no, you know, no, no, like no. decides they want to bowel clean <laughs> So
0: and- this this came from a headline and the subhead on a, sort of a Reuters story <laughs> says people only zap wet sponges to kill germs. Readers have disastrous results when they try to sterilize dry ones. What? So apparently it goes on to talk about how all these people wrote into the article about, hey, you should put a huge disclaimer that you should have to wet your sponge before you put it in the microwave. Have you heard Have you heard of people doing this? No. What? Okay. So a lot of people will put a wet sponge in the microwave and they'll microwave it for a bit because they think it kills bacteria. Does that work? And it might. I don't know. I don't do this. Okay. Okay. But they read this and apparently gave it a try themselves, but forgot to wet it. Okay, so it got all hot and went on fire. So, what happens was it started the microwave on fire. Just wanted you all to know that your article on microwaving sponges and scrubbers aroused my interest. However, when I put my sponge scrubber into the microwave, it caught fire, smoked up the house, and ruined my microwave and pissed me off. (laughs) One correspondent wrote in an email, and then another person, first, the sponge is worthless after so you have to throw it out instead of using it. And second, your entire house stinks like a burning fire for several <laughs> hours. <laughs> they clearly didn't read the directions. <gasps> somebody somebody also wrote about like in response to these people that they hadn't seen the Green Mile. They hadn't seen the Green have Mile. Have you seen Green Mile? Yeah, of course. Okay, remember what the guy John does John Coffee. Yeah, the, the guy does to the guy who's getting electrocuted to be mean
1: um he, oh yeah he doesn't he doesn't, wet, he doesn't the wet the sponge the <gasps>
0: same thing oh, the same no. rules of science applied here oh my gosh so, have you ever caught your microwave on fire when i was younger i put a bread tie no that's how uh, i did what it. what do you i mean i guess you know it was a, a chinese takeout container
1: oh yeah with the metal yeah with handle. the
0: metal handle in there and that was when i was like learning
1: yeah well that's what learning i learned how to use the microwave When you do that, small fire starts. My mom and dad used to have (laughs) loaves of bread in the freezer, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we'd defrost them. Well, I put it in the defroster for the microwave with the little with the little tie on it. Excellent. Got saw some fireworks. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so. So the
0: boobs are definitely the people who didn't follow the directions.
1: I think the boobs are the people that wrote that article that thought people were going to be smart enough to know this. What? Yeah. No, ha- the boobs are the people who didn't read the article. No. You have to you have to know how many idiots there are in the world and then cater oh my a- and then adjust accordingly. You're you're the person who's like, Yeah, we should definitely put the warning on the bin
0: gay that it only goes on your butt and not on your mouth.
1: <laughs> or the lady the lady that didn't realize
0: Oh, I guess it's not been gay. What? What do you? What I don't know. Hemorrhoid, hemorrhoid cream that it doesn't go on your mouth; it only goes yeah. on your butt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about the lady? Who's of... The comedian is like, "My mouth is so small." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I ate this whole tube of hemorrhoid cream. What? That's so gross.
1: It's like the lady for McDonald's what? that sued McDonald's because the coffee was hot.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I think the boobs are the people who didn't read. I think the boobs are the people that do these products and then don't don't realize that people are morons. We will agree to disagree. All right. Yeah. That's your your boobs. boobs. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. All right. We are back. Dr. Garcia, I would love to talk. I would love for you to talk, actually. Why? Because this is something that I struggle with myself. But why do women gain so much weight during a breast cancer diagnosis and, and after,
1: too? a lot of women are going to be heavy before they even get breast cancer. That is true. That's so, true. I mean, and that we know that's a huge risk yeah. factor for breast cancer. So they're already either they're already heavy or in yours, in my case, maybe they weren't, but then they gained a bunch of weight from. Yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. gain weight for from breast cancer treatment. I lost weight during breast cancer treatment, but then the hormone. <laughs> did not. Yeah, you did not. You gained weight, but the hormone meds definitely made me gain weight. So Same. so what's going on there, Dr. Garcia, where? Yeah. where
2: Well, well, first of all, the reason why being overweight or obese is a risk factor for breast cancer is that our own body fat stores estrogen, and that's the precursor for breast cancer. So in postmenopausal women, the biggest source of estrogen is their own body fat, and 80% of breast cancers our hormone, our estrogen receptor positive. So they feed off of estrogen. So that's why we want to get to that healthier weight. But also the medications that are used after the main treatment is, is given, after surgery, chemo, and radiation, oftentimes women, again, with the hormone receptor positive cancers are put on medications such as tamoxifen. And many women gain weight with tamoxifen you know it may be 10 pounds but it may be 30 pounds so there there it is i was surprised so i was on an aromatase inhibitor for
1: 5 years and then i you know we did some testing and it you know they said well, you're probably not likely to benefit from an additional 5 years so i'm no longer on those and the thing i was really excited about besides getting rid of achy joints and all the other side effects that come with that was i thought oh finally this is where the 10 pounds that's been hanging out on my backside for the last two years is going to just drip off. Well, I got off in August and it is not just (laughs) dripping off. (laughs) And I'm wondering, you know, is it because your body just needs time to adjust? Is it because I'm in permanent menopause now, you know, that the drugs have driven me and the chemotherapy have driven me into permanent menopause? Is it because, you know, I think I'm being healthy, but I just need to make better lifestyle choices? I mean, there's a lot of women that feel super mm-hmm. frustrated either because they feel like they're doing the right things but not seeing the results or maybe they don't know what those right things are. So wh- how, how do you help women lose weight? What, what should they be really thinking about, you know, if they find themselves in that situation? Because, I mean, I haven't met a breast cancer survivor yet that doesn't want to lose weight.
2: Yeah, well, metabolism changes. So when your metabolism slows down, you know, and we think of ourselves like when we were in high school and, you know, we could eat the pizza and the chocolate milkshake and the, you know, the plate full of, of French fries and, and not gain an ounce. So metabolism changes over time. You mentioned the hormones and, you know, that certainly plays a factor as well. But oftentimes, When people are trying to lose weight, they're doing the wrong thing. Like, for instance, they'll go all day long without eating, thinking, well, if I just eat once a day or maybe twice a day, then the weight will come off. The Really, the science behind weight loss is if you eat a little something, about 100 calories or so, every two and a half to three hours you know, you're something that's nourishing your body. Maybe it's the hummus and the, you know, the celery and and carrot sticks, or it's the apple, you know, so if you're eating a little something throughout the day, you're nourishing your body and then your body will trust you so that when you're eating a bigger meal, you know, your salad for lunch or your lean protein and vegetables for your evening meal, it won't take those calories and store them into fat.
1: Well, before we, I I want people to know where they can find you just in, you know, if if they want some help with their health goals, I want them to know where to find you. But before we do that, let's talk to our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast.
0: We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive
1: and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck-Resort.com. Okay. We are back. Dr. Garcia, there are lots of women that are seeking help. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people, it appeals to them to have kind of a partner, right? Mm -hmm. An accountability partner, somebody that can educate them, tailor solutions that meet their health needs. That's everything you do. So where can patients find you if they want to reach out and get that free consultation?
2: Honestly, my favorite way to be contacted is by text. I do have email, but I have, you know, like a lot of us, we get so <laughs> many emails, and I'm always terrified that I'm going to miss an email. And I'm constantly in my email unsubscribing and then deleting, <laughs> you know, 200 emails at a time, and they just keep popping up. So, so I am never shy about sharing my my mobile phone. It's three one four 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 zero six four four nine. And I would say if it's an initial contact, do not call because I have notifications turned off for anybody that's not in my phone contacts. So if you text me and you say, hey, this is Susan, I'd like, you know, some advice on, you know, breast cancer or losing weight or, you know, diabetes or whatever, then I know it's a legitimate call and then we can go from there. Yes, so connection with me is easy. Something
1: else that I want everybody who's listening to know is that Dr. Garcia provided us with a really informative presentation Mm -hmm. that Sarah and I were actually listening to the other day that we thought would be really useful to patients. So if Mm -hmm. you want to watch that and learn a little bit more information, then I would encourage you to join our private online community. So that's faiththroughfire.mn.co. If you can ask to join, then you can go on there and we will have her presentation posted under our courses. Yep. And that's that way you can get more free content about yep. what we've talked about today yep so thank you so much for being with us and sharing all of your knowledge and your experience and everything that you've shared with us today yeah and thank you for recognizing how important holistic health is in a woman's journey and just it's so needed and so many women want it and we're just underserved in this area so thanks for being an advocate we really appreciate it
2: yep well i'll tell you it's not difficult and it's so so much easier than people think. The difficult part is there's so much conflicting information out there and it's confusing. And there are people with agendas, like the agenda to maybe sell a boatload of supplements that we get from our food. And so I, you know, my, my goal in life is to get people off prescription drugs, keep them off prescription drugs, And let their own body heal by the person adopting these simple lifestyle choices. So thank you so much for the invitation. And it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Garcia.
1: Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus. audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies.